0: So, so good. You yeah, know, I, I, I ran the last Alpha course. Dave and Claire served with me. It was such a great time. I love it seeing people come in the door, and I can see some of you out there now that, that were on that, um, not the last one, the one before and the last course. And I love it seeing people come in with questions and suspicious and what are you after? And, you know, and then slowly, slowly, you know, Just see them change, transform before your very eyes. I love it. The Holy Spirit at work in people's lives. And I just want to endorse and encourage us all to be really praying, seeking God for opportunities. Because you may not have an opportunity, but you might. Some of us will have opportunities God will put our way. Maybe not all of us, but some of us will. And let's grasp every opportunity to be friendly and to invite people on that Alpha Supper and i guess i could <clears throat> also encourage you if you're in a small group to pray together to talk together and to seek god for how you together can invite a number of friends along to alpha together it's often easier that way and is it the bible says iron sharpens iron get together in your small group make it a lord please help us We'd love to see three, four, five people come on the Alpha course. We'd love to see one person. Let's pray together. What can we do about it in your small group to reach your friends, to reach another person's friend? How can you work together? So let's be proactive and work hard at that. And I'll be doing the same praying as well, that God will give me opportunities as well. This morning, the title of my preach is, and if you want to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5... Now, the words will come up behind me, as always, but sometimes it's good to turn to your Bible, particularly if you can't see the screen that well. Um, Matthew chapter 5, the title of my preach is Blessed Are the Bankrupt. What? Blessed Are the Bankrupt. I'm going to be speaking from the Beatitudes, which is a set of sayings by Jesus, and the first one is, blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, I've brought it, I brought the language slightly up to date. Blessed are the bankrupt. You could say, blessed are those who are in poverty of spirit. The strength of the word, poor. It's a very strong thing, blessed. Now, I'm going to be answering that question. How on earth can I be blessed if I am bankrupt before God? And I'm going to be saying that you've got to be brought... As low as you can go, before God can raise you up. Before God can bring you into a relationship with himself. He wants to bring us all really low. But then, once we are a Christian, as it were, we need to live our lives in humility before God and live our lives as those who are poor in spirit. As those who are dependent upon God. Dependency I could say that what I'm speaking about today is being dependent, not being independent. Relying on God, not relying on ourselves. We sang that song earlier. Strength will rise, or wise, as I wait upon the Lord. Waiting on God. He's our hope. He's our strength. I can't make it through without God. If you're one of those people that regularly says to yourself, I don't know if I can make it, then you are in a good place because God wants to meet you right there. And if you're one of those people that says, no, you know what? I'm a pretty tough, tough cookie. I, I, can, I can do this. I don't need God. You need mercy. You need mercy. Because we need God. And, and Jesus is blessed. Or well, God counts you blessed. God blesses you. God has favour on. God loves to see those who are bankrupt in spirit. That's our God. And often religion would say God loves those who are really good and can make it, and can really try hard and really do it for themselves. But you know what? Christianity says God loves those who are failing, who are failures of the highest degree. God loves those who are bankrupt, failures. God, those are the kind of people that inherit the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you, my friends, if you're bankrupt, because yours is the kingdom of heaven. The Sermon on the Mount, which goes from chapter 5 to chapter 7 of Matthew, is a wonderful, if you read through it, it's really challenging. But if you're a new Christian, or if you're a Christian of any standing, you read through that, it's Jesus teaching on what it is to, to live as a disciple. A disciple is those who follow Jesus. What is the portrait of a Christian? The portrait of a Christian is in Sermon on the Mount. I could go through the, uh, for example, murder. In the law, in the Old Testament, it says, you shall not kill. Jesus, as God, raises it higher and says, you shan't even think about your brother in those terms because you've committed murder. Do you see the, the height of it? God is looking at the heart now. God is looking at the heart. He always did, but Jesus is really underlining it. He's looking at your heart, my heart, and as you know, He's looking at your heart. You go, whoops, I'm bankrupt. He says in the Old you, know, you, "You shall not um, commit adultery. You shall not covet your neighbour's um, wife or their donkey. Not that you'd want to covet their donkey, but their wife, you might." Mind, and Jesus raises it all together and says, "Even if you look at somebody lustfully, you've committed adultery with her in your heart. You bankrupt? Do you want that discipleship course? Do you know there are things that men struggle with? Men, you know you struggle with it, don't you? Ladies, you know what you struggle with. We all struggle. We are all bankrupt." We all need God's mercy, do we not? We all need God's help, do we not? Jesus calls us to follow him. And Sermon on the Mount is what it looks like to follow him. And we've got to get to a place where we are able to live out these things. And God, by his grace, can enable us to become more pure, more loving, more forgiving, and so on. He wants to conform us to the image of Jesus increasingly. The Christian is on a journey of conformity to the image of Jesus Christ. The Sermon on the Mount is a great picture of what Jesus is like. We're on a journey to become more and more like him. And I pray God would speak to you this morning about any particular issue he wants to bring up in your life. I find that and and the, the beauty, the Holy Spirit is here this morning and he wants to bring things to mind in your life that he would want to challenge you on. What does God want to say to you this morning? I pray God would speak to you this morning. He would talk to you. You would sense, I need to change. I need to change. I, I, I need to change. And Jesus would reveal what it is that you need to change in your life. And he will give you grace to change it. I hope you haven't lost heart on changing. I hope you haven't lost hope that you can change. I hope you still have hope that God himself can change you and wants to change you. God wants to reassure you this morning. He wants to change you. And if you're in that place of bankruptcy, I don't know if I can do this, then you're in a good place to find God. Because God meets you right there. Right there. In the place of poverty. Just prior to the Sermon on the Mount, five chapters five to seven. In chapter four, Jesus calls his first disciples. I'm going to read from chapter four, and uh, th- this is a kind of an example of what it is to be called by Jesus to follow uh, to follow Jesus. Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee as he and he, sorry he saw. Two brothers, Simon called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said. That's what it is to be a disciple. Come follow me. That's what the journey we're on. Maybe you're thinking about making that journey. Should I follow Jesus? He's calling you to follow him. Make a decision. Do you want to follow him? Maybe you don't know. Maybe the Alpha would be extremely good for you to go on. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. Just hear that hear that um, commission on your life. Hear it afresh. Church, you are fishers of men. We're not academic Bible students. We're not people who attend meetings. We are fishers of men. We're a group of fishermen, fisher ladies, fisher women. At once, notice their response, at once they left their nets and followed him. So they left. They left stuff which is really important. They left things which... You know, in other places you see they wash their nets, they have looked after their nets, they sew their nets, they repair their nets, their livelihood is in their nets. It's a massive step for them. They left their nets. It's a massive radical encounter with Jesus and a choice to follow him. And going on from there he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, his brother John. They were in a boat with their father, Zebedee, preparing their nets. So they were preparing to do something else. They've got no plans today to follow Jesus. I'm doing this. I'm going to be fishing. Everyone expects me to be fishing. I'm preparing my nets to go fishing. I've got a job to do today. Jesus called them inconveniently and said, follow me. Immediately they left Notice it goes even further, not just nets, the boat and their father and followed him. Discipleship, following Jesus. He calls us to follow him. He calls us, every one of us, to walk with him. To leave everything to follow him. It's a radical thing. And then we get the teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. He calls us to follow him, but he wants to teach us what it is to follow him. Okay? If you want to be in my gang, you know, if you want to be in my gang, you've got to know what I expect of you. If you want to be in my club, these are the expectations of the club. This is what we do in the club. For Jesus, come follow me, be Sermon on the Mount, people. And it begins with a descent into poverty of spirit. That's how it starts. Follow me and begin your discipleship and keep on your discipleship by being poor in spirit. So, blessed are the bankrupt. My first point is, my bank is broken. Actually, no, let me just read to you the Beatitudes, I'll do that, shall I? Yeah. I'm supposed to read the scripture, aren't I? Let me read to you the Beatitudes, 5 chapter, verses 1 to 10. Now when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. So his disciples came to him, he began to teach them. He's teaching disciples and the crowd are looking on. And that's often what happens on a Sunday morning we are disciples, many of us are disciples, we're learning from Jesus, and the crowds are looking on. They're looking at what it is to be a Christian. They're looking at us, looking at how we worship, they're looking at how we respond to what Jesus teaches in his word, and they're thinking about it. So the crowds are looking on, but he wants to teach his disciples. And he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the bankrupt. Blessed are those in poverty of spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful. That's a massive, isn't that a massive uh, attribute for a Christian? To be merciful? We're a merciful people, aren't we? Someone wrongs you. We're merciful people, aren't we? We show mercy. For they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, they will be called sons of God. Peacemaking. Making peace. Every relationship is important. We mend bridges. We forgive we forget. We move on. We deal with issues. We love each other, don't we? Not just in the church. We love those outside the church. We love each other. We're peacemakers. We're not comfortable, are we, guys, with broken relationships? None of us. We're not comfortable with that. That's what the kind of people we are. Jesus came, came to mend relationships. We love mending relationships. They will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So in in other words, as you live as a Christian, you will face persecution, because you'll be different. So, that, and the Sermon on the Mount, picture of what it is to follow Jesus. What it is, a portrait of the disciple. My first point is this, my bank is broken. We know all about banks being broken at the moment, don't we? Many of us can't understand a word of what they're saying, but apparently the banks are broken. Apparently there's a credit crunch. I don't know where all the money went, but somehow it went. It disappeared. There wasn't enough money anymore. We can't borrow as, as freely. We can't get money as, as freely as we used to. Politicians are all promising, aren't they, to fix the, fix the economy. It used to be education, 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 now it's economy, economy, economy. And what I'm talking about is my personal bank. I am broke. I am broken. Mankind is broke. Mankind is broken. We are spiritually poor. We have no personal resources. God is holy. I am not. What do I mean by holy? He's pure, perfect, wonderful, good, without spot, without blemish. Beyond accusation, wonderful, and I am not. My thoughts, my motives, my ambitions, I am bankrupt. Internally, I am full of hatred, bitterness, and God in His holiness. How can I reach Him? I need God to do something for me. I am bankrupt. What is it to be bankrupt in spirit? Well, let's just try and get a grasp on it by looking at what it means to be poor monetarily. What does it mean to have no money? Let's imagine there's no welfare system. Let's imagine, there's no social, let's imagine there is no support from the state. All right? It affects. If you are poor, it affects your diet. You cannot buy food to survive. You will be malnourished, you will be weak, you will be subject to illness, you will look poor. It will affect your living conditions if you have no money. You cannot pay bills for heating, lighting, accommodation, no access to that entertainment that we like, the television, no access to books, we have no money, imagine it. You have, no, you have no access. It affects your appearance. You cannot afford clothing, makeup, soap, toothpaste, aftershave. It affects your dignity. You feel judged by other people. You feel judged because your children are dressed maybe in their school uniforms, uh, um, scruffy and, uh, and, and maybe not as clean as it could be. Being poor affects everything, does it not? It affects your independence big big time. You become dependent upon others. And that is the big thing I want to say about being poor, is there's an independence which you can have, When you've got lots of financial resources, which, by the way, the Bible says, beware if you have lots of financial resources, because we can become trusting in those things. Remember what Santino said last week about idols? We can trust financial security. He says, warn those who are rich in this present age not to put their hope in wealth. That's the danger. But to be poor is not to have that opportunity, you don't have it. You are not independent when you are poor. You are dependent. I grew up in a household with a single parent. We lived on um, whatever it was in those days, um, unemployment benefits. I had, you know, we had no telephone or uh, car or anything of those things. Um, so I, I know what it feels like to be dependent. Dependent. To have charity from people. And to be poor is to be dependent on others. I remember... Let's just move on. What is it then to be bankrupt in spirit? I want to just compare the two. I want to just say it cuts to the same thing. To be bankrupt in spirit is not to be independent, but it's to be dependent entirely on God for everything. Everything. I thank you, Lord, for the air I breathe. I thank you, Lord, for the water I drink. I hope you do thank... You know, I thank God so much when I open the fridge. Do you? I I, I do. You know, you just... I thank God on those winter nights when I'm in my home. I've got a lovely home, you know? And the rain is coming down on me. And, not on me, it's on the roof. I've got a roof. And I can hear it battering and I'm there in the warmth. And I thank God for those things. I am dependent on God. We are dependent on God. To be spiritually bankrupt is to be dependent on God for everything. It's to know that you need forgiveness. To be spiritually bankrupt, when you read these things... You know you need forgiveness. Not they, not others. You need forgiveness. You have thought wrong. You have felt wrong. Your ambitions have been wrong. God has not been centre of every thought, attitude, ambition, has he? No, certainly not in my life. So I need I am poor, I need forgiveness. I need God to change me. And that's the beautiful thing about this. He paints the picture of the the portrait of the disciple and you say, man, that is just so, um, I'd love it and I know it would bless the world if I was like this. I know it would bless my wife and it would bless my children, bless my friends, bless my school teachers. It would bless everyone if I was like this. The good news is, as you come to Jesus, bankrupt, knowing you can't do it, you become. As you put your faith in Jesus, you are born again of the Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit living in you. You have the Word of God, and you are transformed. I can tell you now that I spend most of my time, and I'm not. I'm just saying the transformation, right? I spend most of my time. Thinking about God, do you I'm sure you do, do you not get a sense of God in everything now you're a Christian before you were a Christian, it was more about you, was it not? It was more about like what I can get out of life, how I can have pleasure, how I can succeed. Now we've still got some of those things, don 't get me wrong, but now I feel God with me, I feel God there, he, and I 'm thinking about him. He's in everything. He's like, you know, if you drop a little drop of of food colouring into, uh, I don't know, some white, it would just, it would just be, everything will be affected. God's affected everything. I guarantee you, your, your motives have changed, your ambitions have changed, the way you view people have changed. You've become more forgiving, haven't you? You've become a peacemaker, haven't you? Now, you may fail sometimes, but on the whole... You want to be a peacemaker, don't you? It's good. God looks at your heart, you see, and you can see you've changed. You are, if you're a Christian, taking on the likeness of Jesus, and that is the Sermon on the Mount. So, to be bankrupt is to be dependent. To be bankrupt in spirit is to be dependent upon God. For salvation, I need forgiveness. But not only that, we live the entirety of our Christian life in bankruptcy of spirit. You don't get to a point where you say, "Now I'm dependent, I'm independent. God save me. Oh he's filled me with His spirit. I can now live independently. It doesn't happen like that, does he? Jesus talks about being a vine. You're, you, you need God more than ever. You need the Spirit every day. Go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. You need God more than ever. You need God just as much as the unchristian needs God. We all need God. We need Him. I need Him. I need Him more. I've not got to a point yet where I don't need God. And I never will do. Even in heaven, I'll be dependent on God. Even in glory, for eternity, I'm dependent on God. The glory of man... We are built to be dependent on God. Yeah? We are built like the flower, like the tree, like the things that grow. Their roots go down into the soil. They are built to depend upon the soil. We are built to have our roots in God. And if you don't have your roots in God, you will be very, very parched, very hungry, very thirsty, very needy. One searching out answers. And it's not just true of those who don't know Jesus, it's true of me as well. If I move away from dependence, and I start to think about, I can become a go-getter. Yeah, I'm a tough, I'm a tough guy. Yeah, now I'm a Christian. You know what, I don't think like that anymore. I'm a much more confident person. And I start to become self-confident I become less and less joyful, and more and more parched. And God does not de- and has not designed us to be independent. So that is bankruptcy in spirit. I once, do you know what? I once got a um, a bank statement through the uh, through the bank. This is probably when I was about twelve. I got a bank statement. And uh, you know, you know. I don't know about you. When you when, when you were a child, I I, you, I would start a bank account with all this good intention. I was going to save up for them about twenty one and buy a car, you know that kind of stuff. I never got past about a fiver, and uh, that was probably the first thing I put in no. But I I, I had this bank account, and um, I got a statement saying five thousand pounds, and I was like, <gasps> and you know, at that age, it's like. Oh, Escape! board, I that. New wheels, new trucks. I can, I can get some like really nice trainers. I can get stuff, and I started thinking, what? Who could have done it? And I was started, you know, like the sort of the, um, you know, the great aunt somehow who didn't, you don't know, but must know me and is keeping an eye on my life. The great aunt, someone, uh, the great benevolent someone who's, as, as, oh, somebody in the family who's just thought of me. I just thought, that Mac could do with some money and, and stuff like that. And I, but I had a sneaky suspicion that something was wrong. And you know it was, don't you? So I went to the bank and I said, you know, I've got this, this is this all legitimate? And they said, oh, sorry, it was a misprint. Can you believe it? It's a misprint. Of course you knew it was a misprint. I was broke. I could buy nothing. Skateboard, no trucks, no wheels, no trainers, could buy anything. I was in the position I was before. I I was totally wrong. I was poor. And we are poor. We need God. We need God's grace in our lives. And we are sorely mistaken if we think we can do it without him, aren't we? We need him in life. So, my first point is this. My bank is broken, okay? It's my credit card here. Very small, very poor. My bank is broke. Okay? My bank is broke. I can't do it without God. My, you know, my, uh, what do you call it? The money machine. What do you call them? What those machines? Hole in the wall, he calls it, okay? My hole in the wall... Is empty. Okay? It's gonna give me nothing. I put that in, so I swallow up my card. Sorry, Mr. Beanie, you have zero. Zero, zero, zero. I am bankrupt. I am poor. But secondly, God's bank is limitless. Amen? Hallelujah. Yes. God's bank is limitless. He's eternal. He's without limit. Awesome God. King of kings, Lord of lords, owns all things, created all things, sustains all things. He has no limits. To be spiritually poor is to depend on Jesus for everything. We are bankrupt, but God's account is limitless. His forgiveness is limitless. Nothing beyond the pale. Nothing That cannot be wiped clean. Nothing, no far, no distance you can go from God. Remember, if you do know the story of the prodigal son, went away, squandered his inheritance, but came back to the father, and the father ran to meet him. His generosity is awesome. His bank is limitless, But we live, don't we, in a culture which glorifies self-reliance. I can do it. I can do it. I can build up my account. I can build up my strength. Have you heard this saying? Henry Ford It's like a leadership seminar. You'll hear something like this. Henry, I shouldn't talk in an American accent, should I? But often the things I listen to on this are in American accents. But it says things like this. Whether you think you can or whether you think you can't, you're right. You heard that sort of saying? And I do agree with it to a degree. It's to do with positive thinking. Positive thinking. You know, if you think you can't, you won't. You won't even try. But if you think you can... You can. You can be a go-getter. You can change the world. You can be a change-maker. You can be a difference-bringer. Okay? And we have that kind of self-made millionaire. Remember heart to Hearts? You probably don't. Sitting in the bubble bath, self-made millionaire. And you go, oh, I'd love to be a self-made millionaire. could be like Magnum and drive my Ferrari. You don't know what I'm talking about, do you? Well, I know what I'm talking about. Images. Images of strength. Images of self-made man. Images of what it is to be a true man or true woman. What well, the images of the true woman? She can juggle the job. She can juggle the family. She can juggle the kids. She can, she can hold it all together. She can be hoovering in one hand, feeding her husband in the other, feeding her husband in the other, whilst, you know, spinning the baby on her finger. I remember the old Incredibles thing, you know, where she's got stretchy arms and all that. The self, the, 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 the woman who can handle it all comes in a, a nice suit and uh, somehow manages to fit it all in. There's that sort of, this is the picture of that. The, 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 she, she can do it. He can do it. Kind of family. They can do it. And that's the pressure we're under to be self reliant. And that is the religion of our day. It's been the religion of mankind since Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve's temptation was to self reliance. When God made man, he made them to depend on God to have a relationship with him, to, 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 to look to him as a child looks to, to their parents. And the devil tempted them and said, I know God said that it would be really bad and you'd bring death into the world if you were to do, eat that fruit, in other words, be disobedient to God. I know God said that, but if you do that, you, you won't die um, because God knows. In other words, he's holding something back You, Um, God knows that if you eat it, you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. (gasps) What you mean, God's holding something back from me? You mean I I can become like God, and all this time I've been relying on Him, I want to rely on myself. And when she saw that the food was good to eat and desirable for gaining wisdom. She ate and gave some to her husband. And the next thing you know, what they're doing? Hiding from God. And then the next thing you know, they're murdering each other. Okay? That's the descent. Death enters the world, sin enters the world. That's the kind of world we live in. And God wants to restore us to the picture of the Sermon on the Mount. And remember, the Sermon on the Mount. Is a, is a picture not of self-reliance, but of bankruptcy and, and reliance on God. Not independence, but dependence upon him. God's bank is full, limitless, eternal. A Christian is designed to, to rest and to wait and to seek God and to be thirsty for him every day. I could give you a promise, for example, from Philippians. This, is, this kind of says something about God's... Um, Resources for you. Being confident of this, that He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. That's God's resources for us. He is going to do it. So this is my credit card, guys. Empty. Bankrupt. I have no balance on it. And I've got some. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I'm making a point here. I do. I'm not bankrupt, really. Right? Okay. Um, back, spiritually, though, you know. This is, but, oh, this is Jesus' credit card. Okay. <laughs> Try walking into the shop and using that. Jesus' credit card. He has limitless resources for you. Everything you need... He will give to you. I'm not saying I'll give you a red Ferrari. I'm not saying he's going to give you the poshest house. But he knows your needs and he will meet them. He knows your situation. He knows everything. He can see all things. Okay? We need to rely on God. Rest in him. God's bank is limitless. He knows all things. He knows your situation. He controls all things. He has purpose for your life. He loves you without condition. He is working for your good. He loves to solve debt problems spiritually. It's going to affect you materially as well. Because as God deals with the greed in our hearts, it normally sorts out our debt problems in reality as well, doesn't it? But he wants to solve your debt problem. God loves to solve debt problems. And he loved loved to solve your debt problem so much that he gave his only son. You see, Jesus' death on the cross was him paying your debt. When you see the fact that he was naked, he was in poverty. He was naked. He was malnourished. He hadn't drunk enough. He had no friends or family. Nobody. It says they all deserted him. And if you look at the story, it says they watched from a distance. On the road to Emmaus, they said, "We had hoped he was going to be the one who was going to deliver us." He was in absolute poverty. He had no. Pr- there was no pride. There was no dignity in the cross. And he went through that to pay our debt before God. It wasn't the Romans he was paying. It wasn't. He was paying the debt that we owed to God for our sin. And that resource, coming to the cross, is limitless. When you come to Jesus, he gives you transformation. And I hope you have great hope in that. Man is so very weak. Doesn't our current skies testify to the weakness of God? The fact that every time I look up at the skies, I go, you know what, we we are so very, very clever, yet just the smallest, we are so very, very fragile. Do you know that our whole culture, our whole economy, our whole way of life, if you, without God, if you remove God, you are skating on very, very thin ice. You have every reason to be scared, every reason to worry. The whole economic, economics that we that we stand upon and we can trust in are so very, very fragile. And the skies themselves testify to our vulnerability. But God is not. We can trust him, can we not? His resources are limitless. God is sufficient for you. When you are sick and he doesn't seem to heal you, you are living with disability and pain. Are God's resources enough for you? Blessed are the bankrupt, my friends. Blessed are you when you are absolutely dependent upon God. When you are lonely, maybe you've been left alone. Maybe your spouse has passed away. Maybe many of your friends are now and family are now aged. You don't see people as much as you would like. Friends and family maybe are scattered around the country or around the nations. Maybe you feel lonely. Is God sufficient for you? He is. But I don't want to undermine, I swear, I don't, want to, I don't want to belittle the challenges that we all face in life. We, we, when we're younger, and I would still class myself in that category, I think we can have a very, very, um, sometimes a, a view of life which doesn't in, also involve the fact that there is an immense amount of suffering in life and will come to all of us. And Jesus wants us to rely on him because we will go through it and he is there for us in it he wants to be and wants to be enough for you in it when god seems distant when you don't feel that god is near you feel dry deserted is god enough for you he's he's still with you in all circumstances god is sufficient Now, if if you've got a Bible, I'm going to turn to 2 Corinthians, chapter 12. This is a beautiful statement from Paul that just summarises his approach to the idea that God is, he is dependent and depending upon God. 2 Corinthians, chapter 12, 7 to 10. It's in the New Testament. It says this, and if you didn't find it in time, that's okay. It says that he was given a thorn in the flesh. Now, it doesn't say what the thorn in the flesh is. My, my belief is that it is illness. I believe that you can look at it from many different places. I think it's illness. Um, yeah, thorn in the flesh a messenger of satan to torment me doesn't sound happy does it whatever it is it's it's not good it's just something you don't want three times i pleaded with the lord to take it away from me even the mighty apostle paul doesn't get his prayer answered we well, did god answers it by saying my grace is sufficient for you For my power is made perfect in weakness. What it means is this. Paul, you've got this issue. You're suffering, whatever it is. Really tough for you. Horrible. You're praying to me three times. You've you've pressed me on the issue. But what I'm going to say to you, Paul, is this. Blessed are you when you rely on me. And I want you to rely on me. And I'm going to use this to, to help you to rely on me. That's what he says. My grace is sufficient for you. And this morning, I would love you to, whatever situation you're in, to, to express to God, I believe your bank is limitless. You are sufficient for me. You can, make me you, can make, you can make me make it through. Not I can make it. You can make me make it through you can help me make it through you can do it lord i can't i'm bankrupt i'm trusting you 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 can make me make it you can carry me i'm trusting you lord whatever the situation and my final point which i will just touch on which is this point 3 withdraw from god's account in other words i want what we need to do every day Because we are very, very tempted to go the way of Adam and Eve and to start trusting in ourselves and making ourselves God of our lives. And what we need to do is actively, daily, depend upon God. Not just daily, twice daily, three times daily, four times daily. This is how it would look for me. I walk into a room, because I'm often in situations like this, right? I walk into a room... And there are lots of church leaders around me. Okay? And my immediate thought is, I feel intimidated. Okay? A lot of men feel that they are weak inside and they, and they don't want others to find it out. So, you walk in a room, you feel intimidated. Right. I've got a few ways to react here. I can walk out again. Walk around like, oh, calm down, calm down, calm down. Or you can start to, or you can go to the side of the room, lean up against the wall. You know, won't just keep keep a safe distance. You know, look confident. I'll be all right. Keep Hey, I'm all right. Or you start to bravado even. Hey. Good solid handshake. Good solid handshake. Look you in the eye. Yeah, tough. You're tough. We're tough. We're tough, man. You yeah, know, we're tough. We're on the same. We're on the same level. Yeah, I'm a guy. I'm a guy of capacity. So are you. We're, we're kind of. We're go getters, aren't we? Yeah. I'm looking in the eye. But the way to deal with it in a godly way is to say. you may not express it in all these ways, but generally speaking, there's a sense of, I'm secure in God. You know what? God's made me as I am. God loves me. God loves these people. God created these guys, girls. God created me. How are you doing? Let me find out about you. So, constantly, we're drawing ourselves back to dependence upon God. Keep doing it. Don't withdraw from your own accounts. Keep on relying on Jesus every day. I want to say a couple of other things. Jesus called his disciples to leave everything and follow him. Leave everything. And I would say, if you want to keep dependent on God, just like this, just like me and Matthew here, keep leaving everything and following him. It's not once. It's not twice. It's daily. It's twice daily. Jesus I hear your call, I'm leaving everything, and I'm following you. Okay? You get up in the morning, Jesus, I'm going to work today, but you know what? My work is not where I get my um, strength or my identity or my security. It's all in you. I leave everything and follow you. Jesus, I'm living for you. And if you keep doing that, you'll keep doing that. If you keep giving yourself to Jesus... You'll keep giving yourself to Jesus. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Keep deciding to leave everything and follow him. Wherever you are today, leave everything and follow him. Leave everything. Follow him today. And later on today as well. When you followed him, it says they then sat down and listened to him. So let me say this. Another way you keep reliant on Jesus is by sitting down and listening to him. In other words, read his words. This is the word of God. Jesus' words but the whole of Scripture. And as you read it, it will draw you back to dependence upon Jesus. He wants to remind you every day that you are bankrupt, you have no resources in yourself, everything you are comes from God, and you need to depend on him every day. Do you understand? Depend upon Jesus. The spiritually poor are not independent. They are dependents. Okay? I'm going to stop there. And if you could come up. We are going to break bread this morning. And this is an opportunity for you to say, Jesus, I depend on you. If you're not a Christian today... If you're not a Christian today, you can make a choice today to say, Jesus, I believe you died for me. I want to give my life to you. Come and speak to me at the end if you have questions. It would be great to see you over in the welcome area. We're going to break bread now. Could the stewards maybe bring the bread across? Expressing our dependence upon Jesus. We're going to sing while we do it. What I'd encourage you to do the bread's going to go to the different stations around the side. And what we do is we break the bread and dip the, the bread into the wine as a remembrance that Jesus... Thanks. To start the bread. That Jesus had died for us. He's died for us. He's done everything necessary for our salvation. So as we do that, just commit yourself to him again. Say, Lord Jesus, I trust you. I trust you. So, if you like to do that, as we sing, we're going to sing some songs together which will express our dependence on Jesus. And at an appropriate time, after you've maybe sat, thought, or go immediately, go and break bread, remembering Jesus died for you. We're remembering it this morning. And if, if you're not a Christian, please don't do it. But rather come and speak to me if you'd like to become a Christian. Hey, Alid.